Did you know that only 2% of women entrepreneurs get to the multi-seven-figure mark? And especially if a woman is in a female-dominated industry, what do you think her chances are of that? Well, today I have an amazing guest who has been in a male-dominated industry and worked with her spouse, a challenge of challenges. And we're gonna talk to her about how she has reinvented herself and what she's up to for the 2023 and beyond. Welcome my friends to the Grow Equation Business Podcast dedicated to helping business owners explode their profits while gaining more free time for the things they love. I'm your host, Diana Lidstone, and yes, I've been an entrepreneur for more than 40 years, helping coaches, consultants, and professional service firms get known, ramp up their profits, and optimize their resources all with the purpose of building a well-oiled business machine that they can walk away from and still have it grow. So if you're ready to work less and earn more, let's dive into today's episode. It's true, the statistics are dismal for women entrepreneurs. Very few women make it to the seven-figure mark or multiple seven figures. But my guest today, Anthea Mumby, is one of those in the 2%. She, for many years, worked in a male-dominated industry, first, I believe, with her parents, then with her spouse, And she has now reinvented herself and now has some big dreams for the upcoming years ahead. So welcome, Anthea. Good morning, Diana. Thank you so much. Great to be here today. Yeah, it's great. You know, you and I have been talking back and forth about various things and, you know, so happy to have you here on the podcast today. And, you know, I'm really curious, and I'm sure our listeners will be curious a little bit about your backstory, a little bit about, you know, your time working, I'll say with your parents, and then with your spouse in this male dominated industry. So I'll let you tell that backstory. All right. So short story is I started in my parents insurance brokerage, I was 13 years old, and I took typing classes, and started working with my dad and basically grew up in that family-owned insurance brokerage. It was in the basement of our home and my dad had started it back in 75. And as I got into my teenage years, I just saw that there was a big opportunity. And my dad was also a really, really great storyteller. And I loved the stories that he would share of how he was working with clients. And yeah, I played around with some other ideas of where I might go career-wise, but I ended up in the insurance industry. And so joined full-time after I went to uh, university here in Waterloo and did that concurrent with getting my insurance broker license and really helped my dad expand on the niche that he had established here back in 75. And that was working with architects and other design affiliated professionals. And he was doing that in Ontario. And I said, hey, dad, 
let's make this national. Let's take, you know, these associations to a national level. And that's what we did. So over the decades, we we really stayed focused on that niche and delivering huge value to that niche and being part of their community. And then as time went on, and it was time for my parents to exit the business. By that point in time, my spouse had now joined the business. And he became the succession plan for my dad with respect to life and group benefits coverages. So life insurance, critical illness, disability insurance. He took over that side of things and I continued to focus. Well, first of all, I was the president of the corporation and I also focused on the property and casualty side of the business as well. So which is, you know, car, home, business insurance, all well, highly focused on that niche and the opportunities in that niche and growing that. So yeah, over the years, you know, grew the business 10 times since I started there. And it was, you know, a multi seven figure business. Um, When I bought from my parents, I was in my mid 30s. And, you know, I didn't fit the mold because I was that very young female principal of an insurance brokerage. And yes, I certainly was not, you know, within the norm of what a typical brokerage would be like. So time went on, Yeah, you know, 16, 17 years later, and in 2020, I decided it was my time to exit the business. So the two of us, my husband and I worked very strategically on coming up with a plan and ultimately sold most of the business in October, 2020. And my husband still remains in the insurance business as a life insurance broker and advisor with a retained book of business that he still is working. So he's still very involved in the world of working with architects as an insurance advisor. Very cool. And, you know, there's a couple of things there that I'm, you know, really keen on. You know, you were talking about, you know, you lived in an entrepreneurial family. And I myself, I didn't have an entrepreneurial family, but I heard my kids talking, you know, when they were young and around our kitchen table, dinner time conversations were always entrepreneurial. And I'm guessing that that same thing happened for you. Was that about the same thing? Oh, yeah. Every day it was like, you know, what's dad's story of the day, right? driving to Toronto or, you know, wherever he was, he always had a story for us about something that had happened that day. And for me, it was always very, you know, engrossing. He just was a wonderful storyteller. You know, as a young person, hearing the stories about the ups and downs, the successes Mm -hmm. and failures of entrepreneurship, I believe our kids absorb these things without even realizing what they're absorbing. And I'm sure that happened to you. And as you stepped into your role of president, yes, you'd been working there for a long time, but you'd had multiple years of hearing all of this. I'm sure as you stepped into that, you weren't shocked by anything that came up. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not, not at all. At all. Right? No. <laughs> yeah. The second thing I want to dive into a little bit is, and I want to point out, and I'm sure those people who listen to me on a regular basis will not be surprised, but you know, you talked about how this was a niche market in insurance. And I'm jumping up and down going, yay. <laughs> you know, and your dad started this with architects and like you say, design related. And I think that's so amazing. And then when you came on board, you saw the vision for 
expanding it, but not expanding the niche, just expanding, if I can say, geographically, right, across Canada. So Mm -hmm. I think that's so key because so many, and I'm sure you've heard this before, so many entrepreneurs, so many business owners are afraid to niche down and to really be either industry-specific or some type of specificity. They don't like to specialize. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if you know, but did your dad kind of fall into this or did he do some sort of analysis or did he have, maybe he already had some connections in that area? Do you remember? Yeah, he had tested a little bit in the UK where he first got his life insurance license. And over there, it was police officers. And, you know, in the UK, the towns are very close together. I think he was on his bike or something and he would just bike around at night to the, <laughs> yeah, to to the, the pubs, to the pubs, <laughs> yeah. to, you know, or the jails or, you know, wherever they were. And so that was sort of the idea, the origin of the idea of, okay, I'm going to focus on, you know, this police officers. Then he came to Canada and he did go corporate for a few years. He was on the corporate side, you know, working with staff and, you know, on that journey. And he just came back to the entrepreneur that I think was just part of who he was. And he just started bold calling and building relationships with different associations and Aha, there you yeah, go. and presenting the idea, how can I bring value to your membership yeah. from an insurance perspective? How can I bring value? That's so key. And I just want to drop this into the podcast. I'm going to be offering an upcoming challenge, a free challenge, and it's about niching down and it'll be in mid-February and I'll put the link in the show notes, but It's really key because when you look at what your dad did and then what you did, you grew it 10 times by being so focused. A large part of this growth, I can imagine, had nothing to do with social media, but that you built strategic alliances. You built what you now call dream team connections with associations. And that is so, so powerful. And I know that, you know, some of my clients who are in professional services, that's exactly what they do is reach out to where is their ideal client or what I'm thinking about calling your champagne clients, because they are the ones that really help you move your business forward. But where do they hang out? What associations do they belong to? And I think that's so, so key. So, you know, great, great, great. So, You have now, you know, you've spent, I don't know how many years in this insurance business as an entrepreneur, 2020, you sold or most of it. And now you're kind of moving in a different direction. I love for you to share about that direction. Yeah, well, again, it was kind of built on the idea of who you're associating with, who are you in collaboration with? with. And I came up with this idea of building a very collaborative community around serving the same client, the same type of ideal client. The same niche. The same niche. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's what I started to build about a year ago. And 
it helps with so many things in terms of, you know, the entrepreneurial loneliness that is often talked about. Having other business owners who are collaborating and talking about ideas and making connections for each other and helping to promote what we're seeing in each other's work that could be very compelling and very useful to that same ideal client, that niche client. Yeah. So your niche, if I'm understanding correctly, entrepreneurial couples or couples that are in spouses that are in business together. Is that correct? That's what's starting to evolve. Yes. And for 2023 is that there, I mean, certainly there are other areas that I can help because of my background and my experience, whether it is insurance or architects or family businesses. But for me, it's the entrepreneurial couples that really feels the most compelling in terms of my focus from a consulting perspective this year. And in a previous episode, I want to say episode 60-something, I had Wendy Brookhouse on as a guest. And I know that that is something that, you know, Wendy, as a financial advisor, has been focused on entrepreneurs. And I'm seeing her do a similar shift that she is niching down even more. She's doing her research now on LinkedIn and niching down into entrepreneurial couples. So, you know, I know that you and her have had some conversations, et cetera. But it's interesting to see that because that is quite a niche. But, you know, when you think of... You know, it's just like when I was working with my client lawyer and she was a generalist. And then when I said, you know, I think you really need to niche down. And there was a lot of fear built up around that. It's not easy to let go and a whole bunch of stuff. And I realized through conversations with her that her passion was actually real estate investing. And every time she spoke about real estate investing is like this energy level and this passion. And so she goes, oh, no, I couldn't possibly niche down to that. Mm -hmm. And then I asked her a question. I said, how many serious real estate investors do you think there are? And she's licensed in the province of Ontario, in the province of Ontario. I said, do you think there's enough in the province of Ontario to take your business to the seven figure mark? She was in the low six figures. Mm -hmm. And she goes, hmm, maybe. And over the last six months, she's been in hyper growth because she followed that same kind of strategy about building strategic alliances in associations Mm -hmm. where those champagne clients actually were. So yeah, yeah, very cool. It is possible more than we believe, right? Absolutely. Yes, it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. So tell me a little bit more. Am I, I'm kind of rubbing my hands here. I'm excited about this, what you call your dream team, because your business is called Dream Team Consulting, and you can find Anthea, dreamteamconsulting.ca. Tell us a little bit more about this collaborative community. And I believe you have some maybe do's and don'ts that you could share with our listeners. Yeah. Well, this, as I say, it's really around having that community. It's a small community and we are 
helping solve for some of those challenges that many entrepreneurs and business owners face related to the loneliness factor, the business building factor, etc. So do's and don'ts, what I have learned in this first year that I've been doing this is number one, if you are, and this all applies if you are the one who is creating your own collaborative community. Okay. So the first thing is you got to be patient. It's going to take time and you need to invest the time and recognize that, you know, relationships do take time to build and it's not going to happen overnight, but you just keep showing up and, you know, being in communication and over time, things will start to gel, right? So number one is this isn't a quick scheme. No. And it's funny, you know, you say that the first thing that came to mind was, you know, I'm part of a boating community here. And we talk about in boating, go slow, like a pro. And so the same thing applies. And, you know, I know that there's a second part to that. It's go fast, like a, you can fill in the blank. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. We have boaters in my family. So I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Okay. Number one, be patient. Okay, Okay. good. Yeah. Number two is for me, what I'm building is a very, you know, a highly curated, if you want to call it that community. And so I like, it's not one of these, like it's an affiliate thing and click here and any of that. It's like, I really am studying the work and I'm becoming very, very familiar with the work of the entrepreneurs who are part of the dream team community. So I would recommend if you can sample their service in some way, that is the really the most effective strategy for me for really finding out like, what is that experience like? Because if you do that yourself, you're going to be able to say to a potential client with confidence, hey, you know, like you mentioned Wendy, okay, my spouse and I have been working with Wendy over the last year. She is part of my community. She's part of the dream team community. I can say to anybody, hey, here's why I recommend Wendy, because I've already worked with her and I know the quality of what it is that she does. So again, really important to, you know, get to know what they're about and again, sample their service if that is all possible. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. The next thing is when I built up my community, I didn't expect them to start cross-promoting each other's businesses. And again, it goes back to that relationship thing. Part of it is that taking time and getting to know each other. It is starting to unfold where I'm seeing, you know, my community members, they're on each other's podcasts and they're becoming more and more familiar with each other's work and talking about each other's work. But I didn't say right out of the gate, unlike other communities that say, well, you must start to promote X, Y, because they're part of this. I never set out that expectation that 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 was something that was necessary or important as being part of the community. Instead, I let that unfold. And it's just, you know, it's the proximity, right? Like Tony Robbins says, proximity is power. So when you're in proximity, and I'm creating, you know, the opportunity for members to be in proximity with each other, that's when these things start to happen. Yeah, I think it's so good, you know, that you're letting these 
you know, we'll say cross promotions or relationship building activities happen organically. People will find their, if you give them the opportunity, which you're obviously doing, they will find those people that they resonate with. Exactly. Yeah. And then the last one for me, what I have been doing as the creator of uh, this community is I really looked at ways that I can provide distinct value for the members of the community. And it could be different depending on who it is that's creating the community and what the members require. But for me, I came up with a very specific you know, list of areas or ways I could provide value to the members that felt very part of my wheelhouse, part of what I do naturally, which is also aligned with my values as an entrepreneur. Sure. Like I think you mentioned, you know, already, you know, being on other people's podcasts, that type of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or something as simple as like, text me when you have a big win, they text me like or message me, PM me, right? Because that builds on that level of excitement. And, you know, entrepreneurs are often, we're often very, very guilty that we get into this achiever mindset. And it's the next thing, it's the next thing, it's the next thing. And we don't often slow down enough to celebrate our wins. That's so So true. Yeah. yeah. So when you have somebody else that you can celebrate a win with, that's a hundred percent there with you saying, yes, Diana, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I'm so happy for you. And really, really mean it. It's so powerful. It's so great for our confidence. Right. And that so speaks to me. And I'll just share a little story. Every Friday morning at eight o'clock, I get on a three-way call with two gentlemen from Montreal. And that's what we do, is we share how our week has been, our wins, our losses. Sometimes we only spend five minutes talking about business. It might be something else that has happened in our lives. But we have been doing this for, I want to say, probably close to nine years. Wow. And we probably do it 48 times a year. I mean, we might miss, you know, four or five times a year. But yeah, it is so great. You know, one is in commercial real estate Mm -hmm. and one is in a product-based business. And so very different, but we still have the same challenges because especially for those two men, you know, their spouses, for instance, are not part of their business and have Mm -hmm. never been part of their business. So they don't really understand it, right? Yeah. So to have those other people that you can connect with and share those wins or, you know, updates, whatever's going on, it's so powerful for entrepreneurs to have that and to help avoid that whole, oh, you know, things aren't where I want them to be. And, you know, I'm just seeing the distance between where I'm at and where I want to be. It's like, no, actually, you're doing great. You know, everyone's on their own journey and they've had their own progress. And even when the stuff is not going great and having people that you can share that with as well, like, yeah. Yeah, no, it's been fabulous. Mm -hmm. So yeah, entrepreneur loneliness certainly is a huge challenge. And I think it's especially when entrepreneurs get to that multi six figure, pushing the seven figure and maybe over because they are, you know, that CEO of their business. It's not like they're sitting in a Facebook group communicating with somebody, right? Not the same. Yeah. Yeah. 
And this can even, you know, it can be businesses that, you know, maybe they have 50 staff, but as you said, they're the CEO, they're the president and their team, you know, they're not entrepreneurs themselves. So, you know, they're leading a team and they're leading this vision for this team, but they're still kind of in that, oh my goodness, like, wow, you know, they need support. Yeah. Yeah. Who do I ask questions to? Who do I, you know, share my bad days, my good days? You know, and as a business coach, I can tell you, I hear it all (laughs) (laughs) from my private clients. (laughs) And that's okay. And I encourage them too, because I think, as you know, you know, sometimes your life or very often your life impacts your business and your business impacts Mm -hmm. your life. And they cannot be, I'm sorry, they cannot be separated. So if you're having a really shitty time with something in your life, it's going Mm -hmm. to impact your business and vice versa. So you need someone to share with. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Did you have any more do's or don'ts or hints? That's my top four. That's top as far four. As far well, as I, I love the top four. <laughs> Thank you, Anthea. You know, this has been a great conversation. I love this idea of building community, surrounding yourself with people who can lift you up and who can, you know, add value. So that's what Anthea and her dream team do. Anthea, before we close this episode, any last words you'd like to share? Yeah, just if this resonates, this community concept, yeah, I would just say, go for it, go do it. And yeah, for me, it's been very powerful going from a couple of years ago where I had, you know, thousands of clients and now sort of being in a startup place, like, yeah, It's been a very rewarding and meaningful way for me to start this next business. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here on the show today. This has been a great episode about lots of different topics, including niching down, focusing, and building community. Thanks so much. And thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Grow Equation Business Podcast, where every episode is designed to help you ultimately work less and earn more. I'd be ever so grateful if you could leave a review or a rating on your favorite platform. And remember, until next week, you can do this. Bye for now.